Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. is the Toffee Web Podcast. Hello Blues, and welcome to the Toffee Web Podcast. Back after another break. Various work and travel commitments have prevented us from getting together up until now, but conveniently enough, almost nothing's happened at Everton in the meantime, at least in terms of incoming transfers. Uh, but we have signed a player. It's not official yet, at least at the time of recording, and it may well be by the time you listen to this, uh, he won't set any pulses racing. But the uh, first signing of Sean Dyche's tenure is through the door. Uh, we'll get into that, discuss some of the latest departures from Finch Farm, and then take a look at the areas of the squad that we think need the most urgent attention, given that money appears to be very tight this summer. I'm joined by Paul, Adam and Andy. Uh, Paul, how's your summer been so far? Been so far? Been up to uh, anything exciting? I'll tell you what, I'm really glad I put that big content plan together for what we were going to talk about on our podcast <laughs> over over the summer. So we stuck, stuck to that one. <laughs> Best laid plans. <laughs> yeah, I was at, uh, I was at, I was in Leeds uh, the weekend, just gone for uh, for, the, for the for some cricket at the Ashes and going to Old Trafford in the week and uh, oh, nice. some holiday booked in in a, in a month or so. It's funny in the um, the depths of the winter. Yeah, you know, when there's nothing much to do and it's cold and it's dark, I, 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 I booked all these things in for the summer, and then now it feels like I just don't have a, don't have a free weekend. And it's just like every weekend's like, oh bloody hell! <laughs> so I'm like, I, I don't know when the next free weekend is, but I'm certainly looking forward to it whenever it is. And then 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 the, the, the football's pretty much back. But um, yeah, it's been been pretty good so far. Good. Good. Uh, Andy, you had your arm twisted to cover Glastonbury for work, right? How, how was that? 
Yeah, they they really had to work hard on that one. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Um, Glastonbury's been a big thing, a big part of my life. I mean, I grew up 10 minutes from the site, so it's something we always did as kids. And um, yeah. I've never worked it. I've never broadcasted from Glastonbury. Um, so amazing to see it from that side, really. And a very different Glastonbury experience, but um, but exciting and... Yeah, you feel really part of it. It's, 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 it was lovely. Um, so I was down there from from the Tuesday, which is probably earliest the earliest I've ever been on site at Glastonbury, I'd imagine. Yeah, um, I thought, yeah. But it was good. It was good. Uh, it was hot and mm. it was so busy, so busy. Um, the, that, the, I don't know whether you've seen coverage of the Elton John gig and the field from above. I mean, yeah. I've never seen the Pyramids field that busy for anything. It was ridiculous. So, um, yeah. Very good, very good. Took me a few days to get kind of the jet lag off, but uh, we're there now. <laughs> yeah, what, what was it like going on the? What was it like being there from the Tuesday and just seeing it get busier? You know, I mean, it's been quite nice to sort of like uh, observe it a bit more. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and you can actually walk around for Tuesday and Wednesday. Well, not Wednesday so much, but definitely Tuesday. You can walk around, and there's not there aren't many people there. It's it's a really strange sight. Like I did a. I did a little piece, a little video on the Tuesday, and I just basically just walked around the whole site on my own all day and with very few people around me. It was very strange. Nice to see it in a way. Um, and then kind of 200,000 people come in the door and it's a very different experience again. But um, yeah, it was kind of almost um, eerily quiet. It was like, and you just turned up at the pyramid stage and there was like, guys in high vis and hard hats fit in a light. And you're like, this is not that. <laughs> this is not showbiz. Um, and that was really strange. But but nice, really nice to do. So I'm pleased. I'm pleased I've done that. Tick that one off. Excellent, excellent. And last but no means least, Adam, how are you, mate? Uh, how's summer been treating you? Yeah, all right. I, I didn't get to uh, Glastonbury, but um, yeah, feels a little bit like coming back for pre-season, slightly overweight and sluggish in a sort of Aaron Gibson <laughs> mould. Um, yeah, been been working hard. It's it's been sort of nice to have a break from football to some extent but um no, I was I was I was excited to know we we're doing a podcast again it's uh it, it feels as though things are uh, ramping up but yeah it's it's been a it's been a nice summer lots of friends weddings and things like that um but uh yeah similar to you Paul really just sort of looking for the next free weekend now it's it's kind of kind of the same um but um yeah I'm sure sure Everton will do uh their best to uh ruin those weekends later on in the year so I guess I might as well uh, make hay while the sun shines and uh, enjoy the social side of things but um, but yeah all good thank you good good well it's uh, 12th of July as we record so what that's uh, exactly a month today that the season starts it's gonna be it feels like it's gone gone quite quickly I guess because we've got this compressed summer because we finished late uh, return to pre-seasons kind of getting Getting the Everton thoughts back in, and I guess we'll start um, with the big news, in quotes, of the week that Everton have made. Uh, their first incoming signing of the summer in the form of Ashley Young, uh, where Young is perhaps a bit of a contradiction, given that he's just turned 38. If nothing's official from the club, but it, you know, it's one of those things where it's one of football's worst-kept secrets. It seems that he's done, and he's on his way to, uh, to Switzerland to meet up with the squad. Uh, it's, it's been met with a bit of disdain from a sizable proportion of the fan base, and uh, of course, mockery from some of the rival supporters. But um, I don't know. I see this more as a, as a bonus signing to to pad the squad for no transfer fee. Really, uh, Paul, what's what's your take on this one? Yeah, quite similar there. The I mean, <laughs> to 
to quote a bit of uh, forward Mashiri, judges at the end of the window, you know, like uh, and right, yeah. when he gets it there, I hope we've at least got a striker in, not like <laughs> not like last season. Um, and we out when you ever start the season with more players in. But yeah, I mean, if 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 we get there and this is our only sign, and then then well, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll obviously be panicking. But yeah, sign a thirty-eight year old. I mean, it's it it doesn't sound sensible, but kind of probably is. He obviously looks after himself quite well. And um, I could see him playing a lot of games at left back quite a lot this season, really. I could, I could see him potentially being first choice in, in, in a team in a lot of instances. So um, I'm not too negative about it. It's just if he can stay fit, isn't it, at that age is it's, it's, it's obviously the concern and how well they can manage him. But um, Sean Dyche, he's, you know, you know what he's like with his fitness. I'm sure he's had a good look. He's, he's probably had a good look at him and all the stats and all that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, I'm not not too disappointed. I think probably a pretty good addition to the squad. They can a few play a few positions. So um yeah, no real concerns on that for me, but just let's see who else we sign is the is is the caveat. Yeah. Fantastically Everton, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> yeah. we, we we go on and on and on about we're okay, right. no so from this point we're only gonna sign young players with great resale value that are gonna really add to the squad over the last the next couple of years, and then the whole machine of Everton signing players is gonna change forever. It's gonna be fine. And then the first signing's a thirty eight year old. But with with all that in mind, I can completely get why. Um because A, where we are in the food chain is a relatively scary prospect anyway. Um, we are, having finished where we finished in the Premier League, um, we are going to be probably last to do a lot of deals because six weeks ago when other teams, even the likes of Crystal Palace, were probably planning for this season, we couldn't because we didn't know what league we're going to be in. So the food chain is not going to be very kind to Everton, I don't think, in that respect. Other deals will have to go through at other clubs for us to get what they don't want. It's basically, that's it. And that strikes me as a player that is, A, I'm going to touch wood as I go through all these, right? So A, he's usually fit. Mm -hmm. B, he's vastly experienced. C, he can play in probably four different positions, I would say. Um, And D, he's available. And he wants to come to Everton and he hasn't got been offered a contract by any Saudi teams. So all of those things together, you kind of you kind of take him, and I think he'll be quite a good addition. I mean, it's a shame he's not it's a shame he's not four years younger at least, but it's a short term deal, isn't it? I mean, we're not basing yeah. our future around a thirty eight year old Ashley Young, but I mean, he's a reliable performer, and I don't see a reason why, in a kind of the way that we hoped. Fabian Delft would kind of be an elder statesman who might have experience of winning things who could pass on a bit. Hopefully he will come in and be more available than Delft ever was and be more of an influence than Delft ever was. I can completely see why we've done the deal. I mean, all the stuff about where we are is still a frustration that our first signing of the summer is Ashley Young, a 38-year-old. But that is where we are. So in that context and through that prism... That's not a bad signing. I'm, you know, it, we, I think we're going to have a smaller squad this year. Um, I think we're probably going to have a, a more together squad, hopefully. And I can see him playing a big part. Yeah, I agree. It's it's where we're at, isn't it? Um, it's it's the kind of business that you used to see us do in the days of Walter Smith, um, the likes of Goff coming in at the tail end of their career. Um, 
it's nice to sign someone who sort of fits in with the demographic of this podcast and could potentially be a guest on it. Um, that's kind of exciting. <laughs> um, you flatter me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but he uh, he's, he's actually only six months younger than Leighton Baines, which is baffling, really, when you consider um, when he wound down his career with us. Um, but, yeah, I, I echo the sentiments. It's, it's hardly one to get too excited about. I guess I, I don't really know where this kind of signing fits in with um, Kevin Farwell's 120-point plan, uh, which is probably less detailed than uh, Paul's content plan was for the summer. But I think <laughs> I think it it's a very sort of safe, stodgy Sean Dyche signing, isn't it, really? It's someone who's proven at this level who can fill a couple of positions, who will take on instructions, will do, as the manager says, will hopefully set an example. Um, we saw Burnley do that with the likes of, I don't know, Jonathan Walters and Matty Taylor and Phil Bardsley, these kind of lumpen mm-hmm. Premier League players who came in for little or no money. Um, I don't know if Ashley Young totally fits that stereotype because I think he's got a bit of quality about him. He's, if I remember rightly, he's got a pretty good set-piece delivery as well, which is something that we mm-hmm. always um, would like around uh, around the side. And I think as well, it's 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 an area of the pitch where we certainly needed reinforcements at certain times last season. So, yeah, it's, it's a safe signing, but it's hardly one where people will be lining the streets um, and extolling the virtues of our incredible board and uh, and everything that they've done <laughs> to uh, improve our side. But yeah, let's hope it gets the ball rolling and other signings uh, soon follow. Yeah, exactly. I, I think your point about the need at, at that particular well, left back, uh, I think is, is really the important thing because you know, we, we need certain players in certain positions as a matter of urgency. And if we have very little to spend, then the 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 most clever we can be about filling those positions, obviously the better we'll be. Um, I I don't know how I'd sort of actually, um, Young has kind of escaped my attention for most of his career, but I hadn't realized how much of his career he's actually played on the left. Because when we, when we originally came up and we we're going to sign him, I thought, okay, well, there'll be three players at right back. But I'm looking at transfer market, which, um, you know, g- gives a rundown of where they've played, which position they've played throughout their career. And he's got, Left midfield is where he's played more than anywhere else, which actually is quite surprising to me. Um, and so, from that perspective, I think it's um, you know it's 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 a good addition. Uh, we'll have someone who can play, obviously, filling it right back where both Seamus Coleman and Nathan Patterson have. You know, let's be honest, had their their injury concerns over the last year or so. We desperately need some kind of cover for Vitaly Mikolenko, and some would say we actually need someone to to provide proper competition for him, and perhaps displace them if you know if they're good enough and so in that respect I think you're right Andy I think um, Ashley Young might actually play more than more than we think and it certainly seems from his his fitness and injury record that he's is almost like a a 38 year old who's probably physically about five years younger Um, so from from that perspective I don't think it's that big of a risk Um, it's it's amazing hasn't missed a game since 2018-19 season or something through injury it's just mad Um, so yeah, I mean, twelve month contract, free transfer. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a no brainer. And you know, ideally, you'd like someone from the academy there to back him up. And unfortunately, as we'll kind of get onto into a minute, we've 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 lost Ishe Samuel Smith as as that 
potential player who could maybe get some game time this coming season. But uh, okay, let's move on to some of those players that have uh, gone out, uh, mostly from the academy or the fringes of the first team, uh, with Tom Davis and Ellis Sims following Asmir Begovic out the door. Um, and actually starting with Alan last September, we had 16 players have left the club from various parts of the, the, the squad, the, the, the academy, since the last player came in. Um, so there's just been this uh, <laughs> this constant outflow, which hopefully will be rectified in the coming weeks. Um, Andy, we've known about Yerimina leaving for a while. Uh, neither Begovic nor Davis were really huge surprises, but we've also seen a couple of highly rated youngsters leave and Isaac Price. And as I said, Samuel Smith, uh, it's too soon, obviously, to know whether we'll regret those sales and who knows how much uh, choice we actually had in the matter. But uh, do you think we'll have any regrets over any of those departures? Would you have kept hold of Sims, for example, in an, in an ideal world? No. Yeah. No, that was quite. A, that's quite a simple one for me. Um, he's had a good six months with the first team since he was called back. Um and we really, I mean, you've got to trust, you've got to trust the manager there, haven't you, really? Um, and the director of football, you know, in our hour of need, and believe me, wasn't it an hour of need, we did not go to Ellis Sims. And um, I think that says an awful lot, really. He's not at an age where he's potentially going to get any better. I might be wrong on that one, but it's not as if he's a 19-year-old. That just strikes me as good profit, really. Um, And whether we would have got that after, certainly not after his first couple of loan deals, we wouldn't have been in the, we we wouldn't have been in the kind of 8 million market, I don't think. But that kind of short spell at Sunderland probably pricked a few ears up. And we've kind of cashed in on that, I think, really. Um, So it was a case of timing for me whilst he was worth anywhere near that. I think we can use that as full profit on a player to maybe put into another deal that, you know, might be staggered over a few years. It, it, you know, when you sell, this is what Everton should have been doing over the last 10 years, of course, we all know that. But when, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, there is an, there's, there's somebody who's come through the academy that you can get money for that isn't going to be in your first team week in, week out, I think we've got to do it, really. Um, so, no, Sims Sims was the one that I thought, well, that's, that's a good deal for Everton, um, really. The other two, I mean... The, the youngsters, Price and Samuel Smith, I mean, are we going to regret it? Well, I'd probably say we'd regret it if they both desperately wanted to stay and we didn't offer them what they wanted. Exactly, yeah. If exactly. neither of them want to be here, then I'm not quite sure what we do. <laughs> um, they're obviously young kids who want to play first-team football who may have had their head turned by either more money or more opportunities elsewhere. We're not in a position as a club to properly develop players at the moment really and to give them a, a, a kind of definite pathway that look, look you can see in three years time this is what we hope I mean we, we're, we're struggling to cope with three three months time at the moment um, and I don't think that's an environment for where a young kid can really prosper um, and so therefore with that kind of short term we need some money for now otherwise it really could fall off a cliff um, you hope that the money that we've got from, especially the especially the Samuel Smith deal, can go into somebody who can play in the first team now. Um, and unfortunately, you know that's that's not the way it should work, and that's not the way any of us want it to work. But that's the way it's going to have to work. Yeah, you've painted a pretty accurate scenario there, um, Andy. Um, 
Yeah, I think so. I think with Ellis Sims as well, it's, it's probably the sort of sale effort they haven't made enough of over the last however many years. You think of like many players who stuck around for a long time and then left for kind of nothing. You know, like Matthew Pennington, Luke Garber, players like that who, you know, ended up not really contributing much at all and, you know, just, just hung around and, 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 you know, eventually left. And So, yeah, the money was good. Everyone wishes him well. And, yeah, fingers crossed, he, he, you know, he... he he, he goes and has a good career. I was sad to see um, Samuel Smith leave just because it's uh, at 17. I mean, yeah, again, don't forget it in a position to turn down the money, but just seeing like, you know, we don't really... My biggest um, disappointment with it is just that there's no... I don't think there's any any sort of homegrown players in the first-team squad now, really, with Tom Davis moving on and John Joe Kenny moving on uh, the other season and Isaac Price moving on. All, all three of them players turned down contracts of Everton and that's kind of the sad thing for me is that like uh, these you know not young players anymore but like um, players coming through they um, you know they're, they're thinking I'm better off, better, off, better off elsewhere than stay now it, it was it, you know was it the right thing for John Joe Kenny to move on yes was it the right thing for Tom Davis to move on yes Isaac Price I don't know because I haven't really seen him but it's just kind of sad that the players don't want to stay here anymore and I think I think what is what worries me a little bit is I think like there's there's got to be like a like a pathway to the first team in some capacity or at least and if you're a young player trying to make your way at Everton in in, in the academy at some level if you can look up in the first team and you see first team players who've made it through to the academy and it gives you hope and it gives you you feel you got opportunity and we used to have that in abundance and that's something that really disappoints me about Everton at the moment is that. It's always been a big thing, a big feature of Everton is is developing players. I don't want to reel them all off because you know some of the absolutely world class players that they've produced in the academy over the years. Um, and now there's none in the first team, in it, or even in around the first team squad or picture really. So that's um, that concerns me a bit because you just wonder, and does that make it more difficult to attract younger players to Everton potentially down the line if they're looking at that bigger picture? And hmm, well. I'm better off elsewhere because I'm not really, you know, there's no real sort of pathway, and that's something you got to think about. And I don't know, what, I don't know much about who's around the squad and who could maybe potentially come through and do that. But um, I think Andy's right, and I hadn't really thought of that. And it's 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 just not the right environment for to be blooding young players at the moment. I think Everton right now, it's about kind of about survival, and we just need proven proven quality players who can who can uh, do a good job for us in the first team. So it's. Um, a bit needs must at the moment, and that's the sad thing for me. Yeah, I guess it follows a pattern over the last couple of seasons where the players that we have lost haven't really had the chance to fulfil their potential within the first team, and they're also probably the kind of players we'd like to keep a hold of. So Emilio Lawrence, who went to Manchester City, uh, Thierry Small went to Southampton, um, and Samuel Smith's fits in with that pattern as well. Um, I guess Ellis Sims, um, I think you mentioned, Andy, that's kind of what we should have been doing, really, is letting players go. Sorry, I think it was you as well, Paul, who uh, you mentioned the likes of Matthew Pennington and younger players who maybe stayed that little season or two too long rather than selling those players at the top end of the value, which we've seen the likes of um, Versailles across the park do that pretty well, selling players at, at top value, the likes of Jordan Ibe, who then haven't gone on to have stellar careers, whereas we've either held on to players too long or, in this case, seen them leave before we've had a chance to see how far they can really go. Um, so Ellis Sims, 
a sensible one, although a little bit of a sad one because of um, obviously the, the moments he had last season were either in difficult circumstances against top opposition or um, or his moment against Chelsea, which turned out to be pretty crucial. So um, sad to see him go in some respects. And I guess the, the bigger picture with that is it leaves an even more glaring hole at the top end of a park where we do desperately require uh, recruitment. So sad to see him go in that respect, but wish him well. And I think he'll be a good signing for Coventry. Um, and to your point, Paul, is about seeing younger players in the first team, we we are seeing that in uh, in Switzerland at the moment, but I guess it's not necessarily in the exciting way of, oh, there's a real golden generation coming through. It's more, this is bare bones and this is what's required for likes of Tyler Oniego coming back from, I think, Forest Green last season and having not really pulled up any trees is probably a sign of where we're at. We need players in and around the squad to paper over the cracks, really. Um, but who knows? Maybe the likes of Tom Cannon or Stanley Mills will show something in pre-season that can hopefully give us some options in that area of the park. And then we've obviously got Jared Branthwaite to come back, who is certainly more experienced as a younger player um, and who a lot of people are looking to as potentially our starting centre-back next season. So there could be some academy players coming through. Um, but yeah, it's it's always sad to see the younger ones go before they've really had a chance to impress in blue. Yeah, I think it's all about, as you say, the, the, the here and now being the most important thing and a lot of it down to just the situation that Everton have been in for the past few seasons. The point about you know, young players and their representatives looking at Everton as a, as a path, an immediate path you know, to first-team football, uh, it's, it's not ideal, is it? I mean, there's been so much, so much instability at Everton for so long now that I'm not surprised that there are certain players and it seems that was the case for Isaac Price to just look at it and think, you know, it, as you said, Paul, unfortunately, I'm better off out of here. Um, if, you know, if, if I want us to really start sort of kicking on, our situation, as we know, is is so it's so it's so much focused on just finding an effective team to, to, to get the job done. It's really not the environment for um, for blood, blooding untried youngsters, which is unfortunate because you know it's something that we as as supporters have been calling for um, you know for so long. So um, yeah, I think that the, I'm glad you mentioned um, Tom Cannon actually, Adam, as well, because I actually think that. And we haven't obviously haven't seen very much of him at all uh, at, at senior level, but I think this he might actually have a higher ceiling, uh, or perhaps a more um, a greater chance of fitting it straight away into the first team than perhaps Alice Sims. I think there might be um, a bit more about him, certainly from a physical standpoint, uh, than than Sims. And obviously, with Alice Sims being twelve months away from the end of his contract. I think that that really did make it a no-brainer. You can get six six million, and then potentially eight million for a, for a player who, as we as we as we've discussed, yeah, there's no guarantee he's going to make it at that level. Um, there's no guarantee that he would sign that new. We'd give him a new contract in a year's time. So I think uh, with money being the uh, so paramount that now is a bit of a no-brainer. Before we talk about uh, what business we really need to get done before the deadline. Um, I thought we'd just do a round robin on some of those left in the first team. I will skip over the likes of Jordan Pickford and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. 
um, who we probably wouldn't get wouldn't want to get rid of anyway, but probably don't have suitors at the moment. Uh, unless Manchester United failed to get uh, Andre Onana, uh, for instance. And then names like Dele Alli and Jean-Philippe Gabamon, who the club would probably jettison tomorrow for cash if they could. Um, we'll go in uh, alphabetical order, starting with Adam, uh, and then we'll do uh, Andy, uh, myself, and Paul. And I'll say a player, and you just say uh, keep or sell. And we'll start with uh, everyone's favorite, Mason oh. Holgate. It's just pressure, isn't it? It is pressure, yeah. I've, I've never felt so powerful uh, behind a microphone before um i think that has to be sell doesn't it D- yeah. do you want any context or do you want me to just do it so no, you can give, roman, you can give roman emperor context. style thumbs no, down no, no, and... no you can offer offer all the context you like um sell that's all i need for mason Holgate. I, th- I think i think his time is done isn't it i think i think he needs um i think he needs a fresh environment to uh to flourish, he's he's shown moments in his time at Everton, but his his temperament isn't there. And I think I think a, a, a higher end Championship club would probably uh, suit him better than uh, the Everton first team. That's wishful thinking, because he's on big money. Uh, Holgate sell, but I've just realised that for all of these, I make I might say sell. So. <laughs> I don't want a, a first-team squad of 10 when we got to the, when we get to the first day. Um, this is all under the umbrella of the fact that they're going to be replaced. Um, but Mason yes. Holgate, sell for all the reasons above. Um, I think we've probably tried that one enough. Agreed. Yes, sell for all the reasons above. <laughs> Paul? <laughs> I was hoping you're going to like edit in some sound effects for like when we say sell or keep like <laughs> ding or <laughs> yeah, sort of, sort of, sort of, sort of stuff, you know. <laughs> and apparently it's going to say sell for everyone. We could just save everyone's time with that as well, couldn't we? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, sell. So I do I, just a caveat that I do like Mason. I, 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 you know, I think he's a good lad, and I think he's you know he's he's, he's done okay for us a lot of time. But yeah, t- time time to move him on, I think, and probably good for him to move on as well, I think. Yeah. Michael Keane. Ooh. Ooh, that's <laughs> tougher. That's tougher because I, I, I don't think Sean Dyche will sell him. Um, I'm, I'm going to go keep just because whether it's moments of madness or really memorable moments, he, he gives you something over the course of a season. So as long as he's not starting, I, I think, I think, I think, Keep, keep Michael Keane. Um, well, <sighs> again, in, in an ideal world, you're saying sell, aren't you? But this is not an ideal world. Um, I think in the context of where we are, what we need to get done first, what we, an area of the pitch where we've got a lot of players, um, what we know he can be good at, Let's, let's give a bit of balance to the Michael Keane argument. He can be good at things um, if the team is defending as a unit in a way. Um, I would say for the moment, he's not one that I would be rushing out of the door just because it's another gap to fill then. And I don't think that's necessarily the biggest hole we've got, which will hopefully be for him a backup central defender. Well, I'm going to keep him. You're going to keep him. Okay. Yes, I agree. Um, yeah, I'd like to see. I mean, if we were to get 
a certain amount of money for both him and Mason Holgate that would enable us to buy someone else. And I think that would be, be the ideal scenario. Uh, but yeah, but like you, I think um, keep just, if only for the fact that we might need him as a second striker. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it won't surprise you that I'm, uh, I'll, I'll, I'm going to keep Michael. You know, I'm quite fond of a uh, Kino. So uh, yeah, we'll keep uh, I'll keep him. Okay, next, Ben Godfrey. Tricky. Um, You see the the winces around the faces when every name comes up. (laughs) Yeah. Our central defenders often do (laughs) produce winces at times over the course of the season, so I guess there's no surprise there. I think keep because he's shown enough at certain times, but I think he's one player who really, really needs to show something, not only in pre-season, but during the course of a season. I, I think Neil Mopay is another one, not to get too far ahead with the uh, with the game, but um, another who really, really struggled at times last season. And, and I know with Godfrey, there's various reasons for that, but I think he's there's, there's enough of a ceiling there to keep him around for now and probably um as you said Andy with with Michael Keane it's it's another it's another area where I'd rather we weren't too focused on our recruitment with yep I'm gonna keep him too actually so well done Ben uh you've done you've done enough <laughs> um you're you're saved um <laughs> uh yeah I, I I agree in that I do think there's a player there in Ben Godfrey I don't think he's had a, a run of any kind, really, in in what would be his best position and also the best role of that position. If you see them, if you get what I mean, I think his best position is probably centre half. Even the way we've played hasn't really helped him. Um, he does need to start playing well or better because he was someone when he first came to Everton that I thought, wow, we've got a player here. We've got someone who is genuinely going to be a very good footballer. Um, And he hasn't proved it. I think that's fair to say. He hasn't proved it. But I think um, of the three so far, he's the one that has has the most potential to, to still be a good player for Everton. So keep. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. Uh, he hasn't had a run. He's he's been in and out of the side through injury. He's been moved all over the shop. Um, I think he's not quite as versatile as I thought we as I think we thought he was. Um, so I wouldn't put him up for sale. But if someone came in with a decent amount of money, I wouldn't you know I wouldn't shed any tears. Let's say if if he were to move down and hit again. Well, caveat, you know, the caveat is that we replace him properly, uh, which is something of course we haven't done very well recently. But that, yeah, I would keep him on that basis. I'd, uh, I'd sell, actually, uh, Ben Goff, if there was an opportunity Ooh. to. I've just never really... I'm not too sure what he is, really, Ben Goff. I'm not too sure. And there's reasons for that, because as you've all, all just kind of said. I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, somehow, like, I mean, all the managers he's played under, they always want to get him in the team quick, I find, or quite he's, he's nearly always involved, you know? So they see quality, they see something in there, which which I don't, but obviously I'm, I'm, I'm not in their shoes, but... 
it just strikes me that he's he, he's saleable that we'd potentially get a lot of maybe, maybe somewhere a little bit near what we paid to him back you know what i mean which is which wouldn't really be too which is more than what we'd fetch for Keane or for holgate i imagine yeah you know i mean good for godfrey i think uh on that basis i'd uh i'd sell i suppose that's important context isn't it i mean if we're saying we desperately need the money from one of these then he's the one that's going to make you most money out of those three so far. So I think with with anybody in the Everton squad, bar Pickford, who I think is a game changer for us, to be honest, but beyond him, really, you're listening to offers for anybody, aren't you? Really? When it yeah. really boils down to it. Um, yeah, definitely. And, and exactly. he would definitely fit into that category, but I'm, I suppose I'm being slightly, slightly kind of uh, ideal world you know, when I say keep, but I, I get your point, Paul. I get your point completely. I mean, you know, if, if if somebody came in and said, "Well, here's twenty million quid for Ben Godfrey," we'd have to look at that and say, "Oh yeah, oh, yeah. let's let's put." Um, well, I, I, I plucked that figure out of the air, by the way. But I mean, you know, if, it's hypothetically, <laughs> um, you know, if well, someone's paid off, for him, so. someone yeah. offers good money, then I think anybody's up for the chop. <laughs> Yeah, and and on that theme, Amadou Anana, and that is that is on the understanding that we were given, you know, something upwards of sixty million offers, upwards of something like sixty million for him, given that there is a sell-on fee, etc., etc. Ooh, that is that's 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 a really tricky one. Yeah, Um, Mm. I'm gonna. I'm I'm quite torn on this. I'm I'm gonna go keep for now on on the basis that. Um, I do think out of our squad, maybe 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 sort of on a par with James Garner, but he, he's one who has the highest potential, mm-hmm. um, and he's someone who could who could really go far. And if we sold him for say I don't know fifty fifty five million or so this summer, that would seem like good business. But we obviously paid quite a big chunk of that for him, and he could potentially be a player who goes for way beyond that in the future. So I'd, I'd, I'd like one more season of Amadou because I think realistically, even if even if he had an average season, he'd probably still go for about the same amount of money. Whereas some of these other players we're talking about, they're probably, say, 20 million for Ben Godfrey. Uh, we'd probably snap someone's hand as, hands off. Whereas Anana, I think, would, yeah, require some more dithering. Although if we did sell him for that amount, I think it would probably show where we're at. So I'm, I'm going to go keep yeah, I'm definitely keeping him because we've spent too much money on him to begin with, really. Um, so it's what you get back, isn't it? I said not too much money as in he's not worth that money. But in our scenario, we it seems like a lot of resource went into him. So I think it would be daft to try and cash in to make a small profit now, which wouldn't give the, the club any of the benefits of that money coming. Well, not much benefit of that money coming back in. Um, and I do think he's a proper player. There, there will be a proper player in there. Um, and I don't know. I just like the kid. I just, I, I, I really like him. I, I just like him as a character. And um, I, 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 yeah, I, I definite keep for me. Um, two, two, three years down the line, if we're offered somewhere north of what we paid for him, which we hopefully will be. Then I think the, the the time to do that would be a couple of years' time, maybe. Yeah, I like him a lot. I still don't think we've seen 
near nearly enough of what he's capable of. Um, I still f- find him sort of <laughs> frustratingly quiet at times. My answer would would be wholly dependent on whether we would need to make a big sale to get enough players in through the door this summer to make us competitive enough next season. That would be if, if we had to, then he would be the one over Jordan Pickford. I think just yeah. for that reason that we haven't quite seen what he's capable of. There's no guarantee that he'll ever, <clears throat> excuse me, reach the um, you know that that potential. So that that's he would be a keep for me. But as I say, if we needed to sell someone, he would be the one for for big money. Yeah, keep a, a second that caveat. But for for the uh, for the first season at his age, I thought that was a pretty in, in, in a struggling team. I thought that was a pretty good first season. I think he'd done very well at uh, you know a team playing with freedom with uh, you know high up the league. He'd done really well. So if we keep him for another season. I think we'll see a lot more out of him. Could be could be very important to us next season. I think the only thing that changed with Anana that's worth saying is he he out of all those players we've said so far is probably the one most likely to agitate for a move. So that would probably change our mm-hmm. answers. And I think there's yeah. also a pretty sizable sell-on fee as well. So making it so that we actually turn some kind of profit is a, is another one. But yeah, good player. Damari Gray. Sell if it's to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my answer. I th- I think he's on his on his days. He's a very good player, and if, mm. if there's one area of the pitch I don't really want to lose players, it's that top end. But last year of his contract didn't seem to be too favoured under Deitch, um, and. Yeah, just just question marks over his end product. I'd 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 sell if if the money was right and if we knew it was going to be invested in uh, another attacking player. So next, <laughs> no, I, no, I, 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 it was a bit flippant. I, but I do think again, how are we gonna how are we gonna create money to reinvest it because we need to. And he is somebody who's found himself in a scenario at Everton where he clearly isn't first name on the sheet. He clearly isn't in the first 11 if everybody's fit, although we don't know really what that 11 looks like yet. But he hadn't been. And again, in the hour of need, did we call on Damari Gray? Not really. I mean, he was the striker when we didn't have a striker, but then he kind of went out of the team again, wasn't really involved too much. Um, And he, like Adam said, if, if we get an offer from from the Saudi league for someone like him, um, you know, talking about the profit you make on a player, which is the all-important thing these days, isn't it? You know, we've spent £1.8 million on him or whatever, so it's pretty much all profit what we make. So that then, he's he, if you're going to draw up a chart of the Everton players that would make you the most profit if we sold them, he'd be near the top of it, just because he has a resale value and we hardly paid a thing for him. So... It makes perfect sense to sell him if we get an offer. I, I'm, I, I'm I'm plucking figures out of the air, but if it's double millions, double digit millions, then you'd think that there would have to be a real consideration for that. Um, if he'd come into the team under Dyche and was work, you know, it worked out for him, and he was that creative outlet with pace that we we all know we need. If he could do that. A bit more often, then I'd be like, oh, I don't know. Um, but 
he just hasn't done it often enough, has he? Um, so it would be a sell for me. Yeah, I think if another one, if the, if the right sort of money came in, I think, you know, it's it's a difficult one because we paid so little for him. So, you know, anything we do get out of him is 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 good. But at the same time, we paid so little for him. So anything we get for him would be, as you say, um, great profit. Uh, I think I've seen reference to the fact that um, his his child lives in the Midlands and he sort of spends quite a bit of time down there, which would make Saudi Arabia potentially a difficult decision for him. Um, so I've, I've sort of seen that floated by someone who said that that's potentially um, a stumbling block to him moving to the to the Saudi league. But uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's the sort of player you, you could see someone coming in in England for you know, around ten million, which I think would be would be good. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like him, but he's just, as you say, and he's just not consistent enough. So he'd probably be on the sell list for me too. I should be careful what you wish for a little bit because um, we sell him, we definitely have to replace him. Uh, we definitely need another player there. So yeah, uh, like he cost what two million euros. It's been a really good, really good value for what we what we pay for him for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And so some of the figures banded around are like sort of like seventeen million pounds or something like that. And like obviously, if, if if that sort of money comes in for him. And yeah, Everton can't possibly knock it back, but it's what they do with that money. And can can you get? I mean, can you get a, a can you get a good winger for a really good winger for ten million quid these days? You know, I mean, something like that who's going to be better and offer more and provide more goals than the, the Marvy Gray and assists. Maybe not assists, but chips him with a few goals. Um, I'm not so sure. Everton can find a player better for, for with about ten million quid. They might be able to. But you're gonna to have to work hard to it, so um, oh, probably just about have to say sell because the money would be too good to turn down. But he'd have to have to be very smart with who they get, who they buy to replace him. Yeah, that is the caveat to all of this, isn't it? It's just replace <laughs> replacing them with the yeah. right player. If you can tell me that you'll be able to sign a better player using the money that you get for Damari Gray as a down payment, as the initial payment, you know, and then stagger the rest over the lifetime of the contract, then. And then, then yes, we we're, we'd all say you know we'd all say sell, but it's, we've got the this unknown, you know, the unknown and, and this track record that Everton have of not replacing players properly. Um, but that uh, uh, this moves us on to the perhaps the no-brainer of the lot, Neil Mope. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting one because in some Ooh. ways it's a no, in some ways it's a no-brainer, but then there's another part of me. I was very critical of Neil Mope last season. Um, I stood alone in that respect. No, I didn't really. Um, but if we sell him now, he is he is at the very bottom of his value, isn't it? And and we we paid what about fifteen million pounds for him. I mean, you'd be talking what a, a couple of million maybe. I, I feel like Salinitana in Italy were mentioned at one point. Um, it's the kind of poor signing we made in the past where we'd then send them on loan to Fenerbahce for two seasons and then never see them again and never see a penny again. I think if if the money was half of what we paid, I think, or maybe a bit above, we take it. Um, if if he's at that bottom level of his value, and, and again, it's that giant asterisk, whether we would use that money wisely... I would I would potentially keep him just to see if maybe in the first couple of months of a season he could maybe show something because it, it it probably can't get much worse for him. So if he could mm. play himself into some 
kind of form again to the point where we could maybe make something closer to what we paid. But again, that's another giant if, isn't it? So, but yeah, if, if anything sensible came in for Nil Mope, I, th- I think it would be a no-brainer to sell. But yeah, that, that, that's my devil's advocate view. May, maybe keep him and j- just in case. It's just, he's not going to play. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the problem. I think you know. Yeah. I, I I thought like you. It, maybe maybe he needs a bit of confidence. He needs something to go in off his backside, and you know you know one of those players. But he just I don't, I just don't know how he's going to get in the team. I mean, well, if we if we strengthen where we think we now surely have to, um, I just don't see him playing. And then you've got him sitting on the bench. Probably I I, I don't. Oh, I don't even know what he is. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know what what to do with Neil because you can't see Sean Dyche suddenly changing to a system where he'd want a deep lying striker that isn't a physical aerial threat. He's so, not really a threat, is he? So no, <laughs> no, no. So I. So I don't know what. I don't. I can't see the future for him at Everton and therefore I'm out. Mm. Um, he's, he's, I, I just, I think any money and I, I, again, it's, it's like you, like Adam just said, like, you know, if you're taking 2 million pounds for him, is that a terrible deal for Everton? Well, it's 2 million pounds that could be spent some on some towards somebody that might be effective to us. Um, I, I'm afraid I'm taking any money any money for Neil Mopey. Yeah, I think I'm inclined to agree. He doesn't look happy. Fans have no confidence in him. You know, it was just... Um... I'm really sorry, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like personally I should apologise to all these players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's a regular listener, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. He was the uh, third, fourth, fifth choice, you know, on the list striker that we just almost a panic by last season. It hasn't worked out. And unfortunately, uh, I think any opportunity to get rid of him, I would. If, if there's any, if there's an easy way out for Neil, then, then yeah, I don't know if there is. I mean, Everton will surely want to try and get something back from it. It probably, probably isn't a load of suited because of, of having such a terrible season. Yes. Sal, if there's, if there's an opportunity to, I just don't know if there is. I don't know. Like, um, I don't, Monday might be might be stuck around. I would say surely if he won't play as many games, but surely he, he he can't be as bad as last season. There's been only sort of like hope that like you know if he does come in and does play at all, then he might you know you never know might just uh, something goes in for them. But yeah, obviously sell if you get the chance. I wonder I wonder what the maths is. I wonder how expensive it is for us to keep Neil Mope and how expensive it would be if we didn't get much for him, you know, to get somebody in for not much who could be effective. But obviously there's a lot of transactions there that have to go through. And I, I, I'd love to know the kind of cutoff point of what we, if we got X amount for him, then it kind of would be worth looking at somebody else. It It may be that if you can't get an offer for him, if nobody comes forward for him with any kind of money, then it might be kind of more straightforward to keep him. I mean, in terms of the the money that we're paying him a week, 
I don't know what it is, but like, is that kind of cheaper than going after somebody else and paying all the fees again? I don't know. Or could, I don't know, if he, if, if he gets out the door somehow, he'd probably back Tom Cannon to be more effective if he's around, mm. whether he plans to loan him out or not, I don't know. So if you, if you get one other, Dominic and Tom Cannon, I don't know, is that, I don't know, is, is yeah. probably a better solution than Mope, Dominic and one other, you know what I mean? So yeah, that might, might be a better solution anyway. I suppose he's the one out of that list, maybe apart from Mason Holgate, that you could you could conceivably see going out on loan. Mm. Therefore, you get rid of his well, you get rid of some of his wages, you'd think, um, and we probably accept that we're not going to get a fee for him at this point. So does he then just join the Deli Ali Andre Gomez club of just like hanging around, learning out for the season till the contracts up and the... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> see, yeah. <laughs> Which is where this idea of us spending any money we bring in wisely, that's where that starts <laughs> to go out the window. Because, I mean, Neil Mope is, has joined a long line of strikers we've tried to replace Lukaku with. Cenk Tozen, Rem- Sandro Ramirez, mm. Moise Keane, who we did sort of make a profit on, Josh King, Salomon Rondon, and now Neil. So... Would 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 say a couple of million plus maybe I don't know a, a small fee for Mason Holgate and I don't know a bit of a profit from Damari Gray that brings you what maybe maybe a Shea Adams yeah we'll excited for the season yeah <laughs> feels like you're just like emptying the piggy bank there like what yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's something about know, it in here <laughs> yeah uh, oh dear. Like when you're at the, uh, the, the very, like, you know, when, when you, you know it's game over when, in, in Monopoly and, like, you're just desperately scrambling anything <laughs> just to get yeah. around the board one more time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about um, Alex Awobi on that list? Because Ooh. he's only got one year left on his contract. I don't, sorry, Lynn, if you, I don't know if you're going to ask that one, but... Um... He was the final oh, one. Sorry. So with a, with a year left on his contract, I think he is the most interesting one given how important he is to the team but also potentially how much he could raise. But I don't see many suitors for him. No, that's, I think that's our biggest problem. We've got players on big Premier League wages. The likes of Holgate, I think, is on about £70,000 a week and has consistently proven himself to not really be at that top level of earner. Iwobi's another who's, I think, on six figures a week. Who can really match that? Who would, who would want him in their side? Because that that would be a big signing for someone um, at our level. Um, he's 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 a useful player. I think compared to saying Neil Mope plays in one position not very well. Nice new haircut though. Alex Awobi <laughs> can at least fill different positions within a side. He offers something, and although he has maddening moments. He's 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 one of the few players to come out of the, the last sort of 12, 18 months with some degree of credit. So I'd, I'd be sorry to see him go in some respects, but I, I think he's another where if the money was right, you wouldn't necessarily be too worried about losing him in the same way that we obviously we spoke about Pickford or some of the other players he'd really like to see us kind of build a bit of a, a team around, the likes of James Garner. Um 
I, I feel like Iwobi doesn't quite fit into that group, but then he's also not as dispensable as Damari Gray. Yeah, you're right to leave this one to the last because this is a good one. Mm. Um, I I would keep Alex Iwobi. Reason being, um, or reasons being, very adaptable, fit, um, gives us something we haven't got anywhere else in the team, really, don't have much creativity at all. And yes, it, sometimes it is maddening, but it, it, there is some creativity there. Um, I think we would be... I mean, I can I can kind of see that the, the decks have to be wiped clean before we may have to bring people in. I think if we started selling people like that, players like that, I, they would almost cut a little bit too deep uh, in terms of, you know, you, you've got someone there who can play in a couple of different positions. Um, I, I just think he is one of those players, it, it, obviously different age profile and all sorts to Ashley Young, but he's one of those players that you can kind of put in, well, he's played right back as well, hasn't he? You probably put him in three positions, four positions even, like wide each side, central midfield, he's played quite uh, played pretty well. Um, right back, he played okay. You know, you can probably put him in a range of positions and he just does the job. Um, I don't think we've found that position yet where he is going to be dynamite, but I think it's too much to lose. If you if you start, so I mean, obviously the caveat is that if someone came in with some ridiculous money for him, you'd say yes, of course. But no, I I, I think that's a step too far. What Andy said, <laughs> yeah, I I mean, it's you you do have that you do run the risk of losing him for nothing in a, in a year's time, and I think the more that we, the more that he plays on in right midfield, which I think is is. Everyone knows is not his favourite position, and it's, you know he wants to play as a, as a number ten or you know central midfielder. Um, and from that reason alone, he might. That's probably why he's hedging on on signing a new deal. Um, I just think I agree, Andy. You you would just be cutting too deep and, and and cutting out one of the few creative outlets that we have. And I think it's it's worth just having him around for the for the next twelve months, even if we do lose him for nothing next year. Um, put it down to you know an expensive <laughs> another one of our expensive mistakes and then and then sort of look to rebuild after that but that's where I would be yeah he's he's too important a player uh to just like get like again if if, if someone offers ridiculous money but that seems unlikely um then yeah but um he wants to play Champions League did he say as well I mean he's he's, he's got more chance of doing that if he runs his contract down I suppose that's probably more likely mm-hmm. and then you know somebody like I don't know I say Chelsea get four or something then maybe that's a terrible example somebody like that Newcastle might want might want them something like that. yeah I mean, you could see him get you know on a free transfer being being useful for somebody who's in in in, in them sort of positions but um yeah, I think keep him. And you're right that the, the the cost of relegation is uh, is 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 higher than uh, you know than yeah than the the than, than him moving on for free next summer if you know what I mean. So uh, the the cost of relegation would be too much uh, to, to to stomach, and he's too important a player. So yeah, I think we'd uh, we unless the bid's ridiculous, I have to keep him. Agreed. I was going to finish off with um, well. Talking about what what we really need, and I think throughout this discussion we've more or less identified identified it. I mean, the good news is that the core of the team currently remains intact. Um, we've needed reinforcements in certain areas, really, since the end of last summer's uh, transfer window. 
the need, obviously, for a reliable striker who can effectively deputise for Calvert-Lewin or, let's be honest, be regarded as first choice centre forward in his own right, given that we really can't rely on Calvert-Lewin's fitness. Uh, that remains the most urgent need. Um, but, Paul, what, um, what other positions do you think have to be addressed uh, you know, given that money's tight and we can only do certain things, what were your other priority areas? Well, I guess we probably kind of addressed left back a little bit of Ashley Young. Um, yeah. I don't know if we need another one there. I think the, <clears throat> I mean, Connor Cody left and yeah, the Mina left. And uh, I think it sounds like Mason Holgate's probably on, perhaps on his way, doesn't it? Which would just leave Bramthwaite. Keane, Godfrey, and Tarkovsky. I suspect one of them might leave as well. Um, I think I, I'd like a new face at centre back. I, I think you may be asking quite a lot of Bramfrey to play a lot of games. I'd like to see Bramfrey play, but I think you're asking a lot to, you know, say, oh, there you go, you're going to play the whole season, which is why Keane might be quite handy to come in for them, sort of thing. Tarkovsky's a, good, a bit of a mainstay. I just like a new face at centre back. I feel like Godfrey. Potentially Keane as well and Holgate. They're all a bit stale. I think just a bit of, I don't know, a bit of new blood in there really would be uh, would be quite helpful. Central midfield, if we don't lose anyone, probably looking okay. But other than that, a winger, I guess, would be really, really important. I think. Yeah. Well, that's about it. Though. I think other than that, it's, just, it's kind of just beefing up the squad. You know, I think, I think it's uh, yeah. I think that, that there's reasonable quality in that squad. Otherwise, you know, it's just beefing it up, uh, making sure we got enough bodies would be the would be the thing. But um. Yeah, centre back and winger would be the be the two other ones, I guess. Yeah, pace and creativity. It's two things we lack quite heavily in that mm. squad. Um and if you get a player that does both, then great. They they're not easy to come by, but if you can get one or two that do do both of those things, I just think we we, we desperately need somebody who can make things happen. Um We've had Damari Gray's done it every now and again. Iwobi's done it every now and again. Uh, in his own way, I suppose Anthony Gordon did it every now and again, although I, I'm seriously not convinced um, still. But um, we haven't had that player, you know, since you've the likes of Sigurdsson or Rodriguez or, you know, I suppose Richarlison. Did that in his own way as well. Um, yeah, desperately, desperately need. They'll probably end up playing wide of a, of a front three or a, whatever he wants to do. Um, but yeah, that that those are the areas. I mean, because like you say, really, I mean, if you look look across it now, I mean, Pickford hopefully will stay. It looks like they're going to put their faith in Jal Virginia, uh, which is a gamble you have to take in this scenario, to be quite frank. Um you know, fullback should be should be okay if Young comes in and can cover both sides. Centre halves, there are enough there. Central midfield was actually our strongest position by the end of last season. Obviously, we know we need a striker. So, yeah, it's the only one left. We, we just need desperately need players that can run really quickly and make stuff happen with a football at their feet. <laughs> it's easy when you say it like that, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, I think. They're the obvious ones, I think. Yeah, the bonuses, as you said, Paul, would potentially be a fresh face um, at centre back. Um, I guess much will depend on how how up to speed Branthwaite is um, following his season on loan at PSV, where he impressed, and 
he's certainly got the physical attributes and looks like the the kind of defender we'd we'd love to see. I'd, I'd like to see. I, I guess if if we have got a way of bulking up the squad, I'd like to see more signings like that. A player with potential who the the way we've seen and we keep using them as an example, but the way Brighton have done where players can come into the side, make a bit of an impact off the bench, and then you've got a ready-made replacement, whether, I don't know, the likes of Iwobi, as we mentioned, maybe leaves next season. We've unearthed the kind of the next quick creative player within the squad already, as opposed to trying to scramble around and end up signing Anil Mopay, ironically from Brian. Um, I guess... <laughs> I guess a winger, a winger with end product. So whether that's a winger in the Richarlison mould who can chip in with a few goals and play across the front line, or and let's let's go wishful thinking. Let's say that we manage to bring in some kind of forward who is a dommer like who can do the job if Calvert Lewin isn't fully fit. Then a winger on the right hand side who can sort of do what Dwight McNeil has done and provide chances and provide assists and feed that that target man that would be the ideal signing and if they're they're pacey and skillful and creative and fast and i don't know handsome as well to throw it throw it into the mix if it's if it's someone who can do all of the above then i think we should have enough in the rest of the squad um but i think making sure that we're not in the position we were at times last season where um obviously left back became an issue at times last season seem to be addressing that um central midfield looks okay but yeah just making sure that we've got options to to affect a game as well we we certainly don't want to see two goalkeepers on the bench um we want ashley young to be the oldest player on the bench not not andy lonergan uh-huh. <laughs> yeah agreed i mean we, in that respect we need what we needed a year ago you know we needed a center forward and we needed someone a wide player uh like you say andy you can you know Move, move, move quickly and, and make things happen, but also weigh in with with goals. You know, we goals were a problem for the entire season. It wasn't just because we were lacking Calvert Lewin. We need more goals uh, in the side. And I think that uh, you know, just finding someone. It's. It, it, I think I still look back at the Mohamed Kudus deal. The, the the failure of that one is is that that one still hurts because he's the kind of player that you need. Um, someone of that. You know, who's strong and who can who can run with the ball, who can score goals, Craig. That kind of player would be would be ideal. Uh, you know, so I think someone like that's going to cost a lot of money uh, these days, obviously. And in terms of the central defense, I actually rather than just seeing wanting a fresh face, I actually think we need we need to replace Yerry Mina or the you know the the, the yeah. ideal version of Yerry Mina um, because I don't think we have we don't have a reliable pairing back there. To, to, with Tarkovsky, we need somebody else. And it, for me, it's not Godfrey uh, yet. It may never be Godfrey. It's certainly not Michael Keane. And I think, um, I think was it you, Adam, who said that it, it's just too much to pin on, 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 or maybe Paul said it, it's too much to, to pin on Branthwaite at this point. Um, I was interested to see that Branthwaite wasn't the first choice for the England under-21s. Um, you know, you'd think that if he was ready to sort of, you know, step into to be a first choice player for us, that he'd be more in the mix at that level. But uh, you know, maybe it's just because he's he's newer to the setup. But uh, yeah, I would if we can find someone back there, be it um, you know a, a, an established centre half or or someone in the and I don't even know if this person is around, or someone in the Richard Goff mold who can come in for a season and just be a really solid, um, you know, a dominant force back there. At least just to, to just to tide us over for another year, but that's what I would like to see. 
We definitely need some character back there. We lost a bit of character, well, a lot of character. Yeah, we mean albeit he wasn't on the on the on the pitch on the pitch an awful lot. But I'm um, I'm glad um, you mentioned Richard Goff because it means this, uh, all these notes that I made here were uh, aren't for nothing. Because um, <laughs> we we got another hour, haven't we? Um, and the... <laughs> no, here we go. <laughs> should put the kettle on. Um, no, the I just yeah, I was thinking about this. Uh, uh, the other day, and I feel like the parallels are kind of there to sort of the 99-2000 season. We signed a 38-year-old, I think Goff was, was even 39 at that point, I'm not even sure, but yeah, there's all sorts of, he didn't know what was going on in the in the boardroom, Peter Johnson had left the season before, we started the season with all sorts of ownership issues, trimmed a lot of the wage bill as well, and like Matarazzi, the core, back of Yoko, and then like your Feelings, your Osters, they all had all left either at some point the season before or, or that season. And we'd signed Kevin Campbell, Mark Pember, Jabal Zabia, and Richard Goff. We'd done a, um, a pre-season tour, barely leaving the Northwest, which we're, we're, we're doing again. And uh, yeah, I don't know, I just think about this like small, close-knit squad. It's, I'm not saying that's the answer, obviously, moving forward, but I don't know. It's and I think we've got the right manager to have this sort of like backs to the wall, you know, you know, we're in this together sort of, uh, you know, uh, mentality. He uses that word an awful lot, mentality. And, um, and we did okay that season. I think we, we finished thirteenth in the end, but we were pretty pretty cushy for most of the season and just maybe tailed off a little bit towards the end. They went out in the first round of the League Cup. That sounds about right. Went on the quarter final of the FA Cup. Won at Anfield. You know what I mean? We'd all we'd all take that season, wouldn't we? So uh, yeah, the powers are there. And of course, if you look at it again in 2004-2005, we had a very small squad. We saw Looney, Wojcicki, and then they got fourth. Now that won't happen. But you know, I just I'm just I'm quite quite comfortable with a lot of the players that we have there. I think we just addressed some of their positions relatively well. Um, pretty, you know, well, well, rather like uh, that we've discussed. Then um, I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be okay because there's there's sufficient quality in a lot of positions in that squad. So some shrewd signings, we could be okay this season. So what you're saying is we should sign Richard Goff. <laughs> bring him, bring him out. I think he's in America actually. Bring him back. He's on, he's on a freak. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Deitch likes a small squad. It's a bit like David Moyes in that respect. Mm. He likes a small mm. quad, a squad of dependable players. So I think that uh, you know he's probably quite comfortable as long as he can get the the pieces that he needs. But uh, well, that'll do it uh, for now. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for listening, Blues. Uh, we'll be back in due course to hopefully discuss some more incomings as Everton's prospects for 2023-24 starts to take shape. Uh, until then, take care as always, Blues, and up the toffees. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.